You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Matthew 3, 11 through 4, 4, and can be found on page 856 of the Bible at your seat. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, honey. It's my wife, and so that you're, there's no scandal there in what I just said. Um, you have made it to this point of the year. You might have limped to this Sunday. You might have come running and sprinting. Maybe you are coming off the highest December and the greatest December of your life. Maybe you are coming in and you've experienced both the highs and the lows this month or this season. Um, as you recall this last year and you review this last year, what comes to your mind? How does God play into that picture? You're here on a Sunday, the last Sunday of the year. You know what we're going to talk about today. You know we're going to review and we're going to move forward with some helpful things on what to do moving forward in the next venture, the next season of our life. So welcome to the final Sunday at Grace in Salado. So let's review a few things. This last year in the spring, we spent nine weeks in a series that we entitled This I Believe, nine weeks of confessions that make us Christians. Not that our confessions make us Christians. It was God's work through the cross that makes us Christians. In fact, that was one of the confessions that we make. But it's our confessions that identify us as Christians. These are confessions that should thrill us, that uh, should launch us into a Christ-exalting, fulfilling, thrilling lifestyle if we practice what we confess. And even though the world might not agree and might even reject our confessions, we boldly together in community say, this I believe. And we talked about that for nine weeks. Then we moved into a summer where we talked about the mission of the church in which we 
discussed for several weeks uh, our desire and our mission to cultivate communities of biblical faith, eternal hope, and radical love. And to do this together in community, to be talking about this in community so that we can practice the confessions with each other, living it out, applying it in our lives so that we're not alone, isolated, trying to do it by ourselves, but in community that our faith would grow, our hope would grow, and our love would be radical, that people would look at our little community groups and look at our our lives and go, there's just something weird about you guys. And we'll say, yeah, let me confess nine things to you and what we're about. And then we moved into the fall. And the the series title is kind of controversial because we kind of, at one point in the series, said the series is called Knowing God. And then I went all ESV on everybody and we used the word behold because it's kind of what we're going to do December and that's what we're going to do in the spring. So really we looked from the, the end of summer coming up into Advent of the series, 14 weeks in which we called the series Behold Your God. Remember that, for those who were here? Like it was just a few weeks ago. Um, what we think about God is the most important thing about us. Does what you hope in or what you worship as God compare with the God of scriptures? Or is it just some God that you're accepting? Does it, does it line up with who God reveals himself to be in his own word? And so just to recap that series, is the one that we're centered around, is he the one who promised and proved to be holy, holy, holy. Spent two weeks on that. The God that is immutable, which means the God who does not change, cannot change, doesn't need to change for any reason. Which means he doesn't get stressed out and go, oh no, I need to adjust this, I need to do this. No, he's immutable. His character doesn't change at all. It's good news for us. He's a God who's sovereign. And though that could be a whole year of sermons, we crammed it all into two weeks, <laughs> and we discussed that he is sovereign over everything. He's sovereign over everything. Everything. He doesn't ask permission. He doesn't need to get a committee together. He doesn't need to say, okay, Jason, I don't know if you're okay with this. No, he's sovereign We had a friend come in and talk about the Trinity and we were learning and reminded that God is one and how amazing and how complex and how stressed out we can be over that doctrine and over that relationship. But it doesn't stress God out at all that God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We even see that in, in, in a wonderful relationship played out here in the story and the message that Kelly read today. We looked at God as omniscient. He is wise that even though he does things that we don't understand. He is all wise. He is also able. That means he is omnipotent. That he is able to do far exceedingly more than we could ask or imagine. That is good news for us. When we can't see a way, there's always a way that God has. And he's doing things in his wisdom and in his strength that is just. Spent a week talking about the justice of God. 
that his acts are never wrong, they're never evil, they're always right, they're just and they're good. He is a just God and that is good news for us who live in an unjust world. Even in unjust homes. He is kind. And then we ended it with he is loving. This all-knowing, omnipotent, sovereign, just God is kind and loving. Is there better news than that? Except the layers of it, that his strength and his wisdom and his sovereignty and his justice and his kindness and his loving work is seen best and most in the king he sent to us. And so in Advent season, we conclude 2019 beholding the King of Kings. The very expression of God's love and justice and light and majesty is seen in Emmanuel, God with us. So after a year of walking through all of this together as a congregation and in our small groups talking about this, my question is this, has this really helped us? As citizens. What do you mean as citizens? I mean as citizens of heaven and citizens of Salado or Georgetown or Colleen or Round Rock or Temple or Belt, Belt County, wherever you dwell. Has what we've been looking at really influenced us? Can we honestly say an evaluation of ourselves that we have become better citizens of heaven and therefore better citizens in the earth that we're called to engage. You may ask, well, how do I honestly know that for sure? As you evaluate your year, you could ask it this way. How do I know for sure that God is the one I worship? How can I tell if I'm really believing the confessions that I learned last spring? How do I know for sure if I'm really on the mission that God has me on? How can I know for sure if I'm truly enjoying and beholding the God of Scriptures and therefore beholding the King of Kings? Another way we can ask it is this. Another way that might reveal it is this. What is my life centered around what is at the very center of my life so let me remind you what the word behold means behold means simply to see to observe and to look into so what i want you to do with me today this week is i want you after beholding god behold the king We're going to today transition, and we're going to do two things. We're going to behold what is at the center of our life. And we're going to transition it into behold the king that is worth following. See, it's important for us to evaluate what runs us, what fuels us, what governs us, what what fuels the activity and charts our course, what, what sets the compass that directs our steps in our life. 
And it's good to do this and to check this out as we turn the page on the calendar year and to behold our life and observe what it is we're following and who we're following and what's at the very center. And the one true God wants to reveal what's at the center of our lives. He wants to to direct us. He wants to, to show us. And therefore, He might usher us into a time where we can be tempted where we can might even be tested and tried so that when we're squeezed, we can see, wait a minute, what's coming out of me is not Christ. It's not God. It's not those confessions. It's not the mission. It's not what's coming out of me is something I don't like that much. And so he sometimes might send us into the wilderness to make sure that our heart is centered on him. This is where our text is taking us this morning that we look at as we move into this year. As we behold what is at the center of our life, we do that by beholding a king that is worth following here. This is the beauty of Jesus Christ. He came to be king. He came to be the final king. And the final king did not just come to save us, which is amazing grace. Nor did he come just to tell us how to live which is amazing grace. But he came to show us how to live. He came to show us that what should be at the center of our lives is the will of God. What should be at the center of our lives is the word of God. This is the king worth following. We see it here. Let's just look at this scripture and unpack it briefly in our time together. John the Baptist is introduced in chapter 3. And you see some weird things about John the Baptist. This is an unusual cat, okay? He's unlike, if you were to go, if he were pastoring a church uh, around here, you would be like, okay, not going to that church. He had one job. His job was to introduce and prepare the way of the one who's coming. He knows the king that is coming is the one worth following, not himself. He knows that even though people want to follow him and be disciples of John the Baptist, he's pointing to the king, and he's weird, but he's good. He's accurate. He's fulfilling his mission. He's doing his confessions. He's on mission. He's beholding his God, and he's pointing people to the king. And we see here in verse 11 his introduction or his more of a description of this king. He says, you know, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He's saying to the people, you get water. You understand water. You get the idea of going under, being cleansed, and coming out, kind of the feeling of freshness and newness. You don't understand yet what's coming your way. You're about to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That means things are about to get burned up. Things that you don't need. Things you shouldn't have in your life. And then he explains it even more. His winnowing fork is in his hand. 
and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. He's describing that Jesus is coming to gather those who are his. There's a harvest coming, and Jesus is coming to do the work. We see this, and this is the description here. John the Baptist is saying, I'm coming with the warning, but he is coming with action. I'm coming to warn you, he's coming to get you. He's, that sounded evil and bad, sorry. He's coming to save you, to gather you, to do the work and everything required to get his people home to him forever and ever and ever. I'm coming to warn, he's coming to gather. And then... We see Jesus comes onto the scene. You can almost see John the Baptist sort of stumbling through. Whoa, whoa, I, oh, I knew this day was coming. I've been preparing the way for this. And then after some conversation, Jesus is baptized. And just look at this text with me in verse 16 and 17 of chapter 3. I don't know if any of you have ever had a spiritual high in your life. I would say this is one. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. Here's that word again. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased that's what i would call a spiritual high <laughs> have you ever had one of those maybe it was at a camp it was at a revival setting maybe it was in church one day where maybe it was in your in your quiet time and your walk and you just experienced and encountered god where you could say i celebrated jesus i felt the holy spirit and i felt the approval of the father it was amazing that's what's happening here the holy trinity coming and celebrating you just can almost understand that john the baptist would be overwhelmed by what he's seeing and jesus in this moment you can picture coming out of the water what is he to do now you would think that now is the time for the king to rule. Now's the time to dominate, to flex your muscles, and to go win the lost and get the disciples together and do all the things that John the Baptist just said he's going to do, right? I mean, it's the way we would see it, coming off this amazing high, this amazing moment. I mean, it was promised that Jesus would come, this king would come and crush the head of the serpent. We would think that now was the time to do that. Right? Well, he does start right away to do that. It's just not in the way we would see it or do it. Yes, he begins to crush the head of the serpent. And it's miraculous and it's wonderful and it's beautiful for us that he does it this way. What are you talking about, Jason? Look with me in verse 17. Behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Look at the very next verse. 
Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Remember, the Father was well pleased with His Son. This is not discipline. This is not punishment. This is the beginning of the crushing of the head of the servant. Baptism being the first act, this is the second step of showing us how to live. The king worth following shows us how to follow, how to live. Starting in chapter 4, we see here how to follow the king, which is the next series that we're going to look at. Following the king. And before he invites people to follow him, before he goes out there and starts speaking, he is led by the Spirit to a time of testing. What is the test? What's on the test? How do you prepare for the test? I need to know. I need to make sure I'm ready for the test. The question that Jesus is answering on this test is what's at the center of your life? If Jesus... Yes, he's fully God, but here he is modeling for us that he is fully man. He is demonstrating that at the very center of his life will be the very word of God in all situations for all times. He's answering what drives him, what he's living for, and what he really needs. Look with me in chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Again, led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Verse 2 says, After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. He was fasting. Jesus fasted for 40 days, most likely from food, because obviously it says he was hungry. So it was probably a food fast. Do any of you have family members? Because I'm sure none of you are this way. Do any of you have members in your family that experience what's called hangry? You know what that is? Like if you skip a meal, Lord forbid, that you get angry, and all of a sudden mature people that can accomplish amazing things, lead companies, lead families, all of a sudden they act like toddlers when they skip that meal. Imagine 40 days of that, the feeling of that when we come to rely and expect things that our bodies are conditioned to have and then we are deprived of that substance we see what it is that we really crave what we think we really need that's what fasting does for us it reveals what we truly crave and what we really hunger for what we have convinced our bodies and what we think that is the most important things in our life fasting reveals this to us Fasting from food is obviously probably the best way to do this. But in 2020, you might need to pick at least one day a week where you fast from, let's say, technology. And I don't just mean, okay, I'm going to put my phone down at night. No, like unplug from everything. Well, not TV. No, everything. Maybe a whole week, maybe even a whole month from social media. We don't just unplug where you say, you know what, I'm not going to engage online communities where I can't even see people. I'm just going to withdraw 
to a wilderness of no social media and see what God wants to reveal to my life. That, that hangry pains of, oh, I got to get online. I got to see what so-and-so's doing. I got to see what's going on here. Oh, I'm going to miss what's going on with the new. Really, you're going to miss the news? I mean, like the things we convince ourselves, we think we need. Fasting reveals to us. Maybe you begin by considering this question. Other than a member of our family or maybe our jobs, what is one thing that you think you could not live without for a week? I don't, I don't want anybody in their sinful nature to use this as an excuse. Hey, my pastor said I can quit my job for a week. It's not what I'm saying. Uh, my pastor said, honey, that I don't have to talk to you for a week. It's not what we're saying, other than a family member or your boss who you probably don't want to always be around. I mean, what is it you don't really think you could live without? Perhaps the Holy Spirit might want to lead you away from that for a season. You think, oh, God wouldn't want me to go an entire week without this, I mean, without Instagram or the Internet or any form of technology. Well, the King of Kings withdrew into the wilderness. And he was led there by the Spirit of God. He wasn't lost on purpose, with a purpose, to expose, to confirm that at the very center of his life, the mission of God reigns in his life. His life is centered on God's will and God's word. Let's look in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 4. And so the tempter came to him. Remember, he was hungry. didn't say he was hangry. I wasn't saying that Jesus was hangry. It just says he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, and here it is, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Behold, the king worth following. The king that the angels sang about. The king that Herod was afraid of. The king that has been promised for generations two generations, the king that was to come and strike the head of the serpent and end the curse, the king that was to conquer all of sin, to die for us, to rise again three days later, the king that is reigning forever and ever and ever and ever, the king worth following, relies on the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. He is fully man in this moment. But every word that comes from the mouth of God, Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 8.3 here, which is a story and the reminder to God's people that we are better off obeying and relying on knowing God and what He's saying to us than looking and trying to grab instant gratification. What does live on every word that comes from the mouth of God really mean? Jesus says, man shall not live by the bread alone. This is his defense to the tempter. But by every word that comes from the mouth of God, what does it mean? Well, let me share a few things of what it does not mean. 
Living on every word that comes from the mouth of God does not mean that we rely on devotionals that pretend to speak for God. This is so important. We have good writers out there, really good writers. And there's a lot of devotionals that say, this is, these are the words of Jesus. This is what Jesus would have for you. This is what God has for you. And maybe they'll say one line from Scripture and then they'll spend eight paragraphs saying things, most of which is supposed to go, wow, I needed that. Like, Jason, wait, don't go after my devotionals. I'm just telling you, that's not every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's, that's part of it with a bunch of other words from people. Another thing it does not mean, it does not mean that we are to be feasting on TV shows that give the appearance of godliness. It does not mean that we are to become addicted to church services that are about getting rich and healthy in the name of Jesus. What it really means, we see in the Old Testament. Look with me. I was going to look at three verses. We're going to start. We're just going to go to Psalms. So Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11. What does it mean to live on every word that comes from God? The psalmist says here, this is a Psalm of David, verse 7 of chapter 19. The law of the Lord is perfect. What good is it? Reviving the soul. What revives the soul? TV shows? Devotionals from others? The law of the Lord. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure how sure? What does it do for us? Making wise the simple. Are you confused in life? You're scared in life? You don't know what's going on in life? Well, the testimony of the Lord is what shores us up. It's what makes wise the simple. Verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure. Love that. Enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true <coughs> and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Even much fine gold. I mean, it's nice to have gold. Sounds like it's even better to have fine gold. But God's Word is is to be desired more than that. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Now, I don't know if any of you have honeycombs laying around. I don't. I mean, I know there's a cereal called, I think there's a honeycomb cereal. I don't know. There's honey and cereal, and I've liked it, and it's been good. But anyway, you know where I'm going. There's a honey bun. I like the honey bun. What it's talking about here, things that are the sweetest things to your mouth, the things that you can't possibly think can taste any better, Yes, there is something that tastes better. God's word in your life tastes better. Several years ago, a tragedy happened. 
the restaurant Bennigan's closed. Anybody ever been to Bennigan's? Has anybody ever been to Bennigan's and had the death by chocolate? Oh, maybe other than my grandmother's banana pudding, death by chocolate was like birthday. That's what I'm doing. I'll get through all the other meals just to get to the death by chocolate. There's nothing better for me. It was the greatest thing that my mouth has tasted. I loved it. Well, picture whatever that is for you and knowing God's word so much that it tastes better to you than that and you can have it every day. Verse 11, moreover, not, oh, there's more? By them, talking about, what does he mean by them? He's talking about the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commandments of God, the rules of the Lord. Moreover, by all of them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. It's better than bread. Satan, it's better than bread. God's word is at the center of my life. I'm here to say it as I begin my ministry. I'm here to say it for all those people who are going to follow me and struggle and be addicted to all these things they want to taste and eat and soak up and feast on. I'm going to model for everybody else, Satan, that the word of God is better. Oh, there's more. Turn with me to Psalm 119. have to end it at a certain place but just read this with me verse one you want the blessings of the lord in 2020 you want to know that god's at the center and things are blessed and you're seeing what's when you're squeezed what's coming out as things of god well here's your answer blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in what the law of the lord wait wait jason that's saying be perfect well not really Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Translation, whose life is centered on God. Who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame. Think about that statement. Think about the things you've done this year that maybe nobody else knows that you're ashamed of. Think about how if you just devoted yourself to Scripture, how you could have been rescued from doing the things that brought you shame then I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on all your commandments, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. And it just keeps going. Time prevents me from unpacking all of Psalm 119 as it is the longest chapter in the Bible. But this is what Jesus means when he says to the enemy, man shall not live by bread alone. There's something better. 
Think about it this way. Adam and Eve forsook God's words when they came into the world. And they weren't even in a wilderness. They were in Eden. Everything was perfect. They saw what God's spoken word does. God's spoken word does all this. Wow. Wow. God spoke this into existence. This is the word of God. Wow. You'd think that would be enough. Nope. They didn't rely on God's word. They started to ignore it. Think it's not that important. Then they doubted it, and then they were led to reject it. Now the earth is cursed. The tempter has told, the tempter has told in that moment that there's coming one who will crush your head by tempting them away from the word of God. There is a king worth following, and the king begins by saying, I am going to, from the very first moment, not in Eden, but in the wilderness, I'm going to begin crushing your head right now and sending a message to all who follow me. Listen to the word of God. Obey the word of God. Adam and Eve failed. I've come to restore it. Here, King Jesus takes that first step and communicates to all of us, feast on the Word of God. So, where am I going with all this as we wrap up? What did you feast on in 2019? What centered you? What thrilled you? What fueled you? Last night, we were rushing back from basketball tournaments in Fredericksburg, and we were coming back last night, and Kelly's falling asleep in the chair, and I'm like, okay, if I can make it back, I can, I can eat something uh, before 8 o'clock and watch the semifinal football game, and I was like on this mission, like, I'm going to watch this. I didn't have a rooting interest, except I don't like Ohio State, but other than that, I didn't care for Clemson. I just don't like Ohio State, but I thought this would be great. I like football, so like, here I am. We get in there. I got my great sandwich. I mean, it was lean chicken with avocado and had jalapeno crushed up in it, and I did a lot of work on that. I was ready. I got my LaCroix sparkling water. I'm sitting there in my chair. I sit down to watch. Even better than that, my daughter kind of scampers into our bedroom with my, my wife, and, and they're laughing together. They're watching something non-football related. I think it's a dog award show or something and and like we're at this moment where we're like laughing and great and everything's like and then the direct tv goes out <laughs> so we do what we know to do we reboot it and it, we wait and we wait 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 and it comes back on we're like okay everything's restored we're good. Let's get, I'm already done with a sandwich, but I'll find something else to eat while I, you know, like we're all in a happy place again. And then it goes out again. You know, we don't rely on a football game or a, a well-made sandwich or a dog show for our long-term joy. But there are a thousand little things in our lives that crowd out what's really fulfilling we saw how quickly and how sour we became in our own home. Instead of just running to God's word, saying maybe God wants to prepare us for Sunday. The king worth following models for us here that man should not live by bread alone, 
but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. What do you rely on? What do you center your life on? And so as you evaluate, I just want to give you four things. Really, take one minute, I promise. Begin by making Scripture a priority in your life. Number one, have a goal. Do you have a Scripture reading goal for your life? I can't think of a better goal than reading through Scripture in a year. It's not, it's very reachable. Have a goal. Have a plan to do that. Don't say that, yeah, that sounds great. Okay, Genesis 1. How far should I go today? Have a plan. We have a reading plan. When you walk out on your right on that table, there's a little plan. You could pick it up and use that. Kelly, there's several reading plans you can have. Kelly and I have used that reading plan for the last two years. I love it. I don't use it every year, but we've used it the last two years. It's good. It's kind of chronological. I really like it a lot. But find a plan. Stick with it. Have a place. Have a goal. Have a plan. Have a place. Yes, it's good for my kids to see me reading Scripture in my office. They walk in. I love it when they walk in. They see me reading the Bible. They go, oh, sorry, Dad. They're feeling bad, but I'm loving it like they just saw their dad reading the Bible. That's awesome. But I also don't like getting interrupted. So my best time of reading Scripture is the place that probably aggravates y'all. You see my truck here, but I'm in the office. My elbows are on the side of this Bible in the mornings. I'm in this Word, and I love it. There's a coffee mug right there. It's my goal. It's my plan. It's my place. Number four, resist the devil. It's a thousand little things he's going to try to get you to look at and do. That's why I can't read the Bible online. Every day I get 100 emails at least. I just have to get away from it to get into the Word. Getting into the Word might require from you some fasting. I will encourage you as we end our time just to confess to the Lord, Lord, I need you, but like the song we just sang, my wandering heart wants to get away from you. What do I need to fast from this month in January? Maybe it's food. Maybe it's media. Maybe it's technology. Okay? What is it you need to say no to, kind of push away from, so that you can evaluate how to best eat and enjoy the Word of God? If you need to know more about fasting, just call me, one of the elders up. That's what we're here for, to help you learn our successes and our failures when we have fasted. It doesn't have to be an elder. Just call somebody in your community group. Talk to people about this. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer and ask for His help. As we evaluate and behold our year and behold the king worth following. Everyone in this room, Lord, needs you. I'm not convinced that everybody in this room is aware of that. Thank you, Jesus. For modeling for us that sometimes the Spirit will lead us into very hard places so that we will see then what we're made of and what's inside of us. Thank you, Jesus, even more 
that you model for us that the word of God is what we need. You, the King of kings, the Savior of my soul, shows me how to live by getting into the word of God. And Lord, I didn't even get to with all the people to tell them all the testimonies and examples, but I pray, O oh Lord, that you would convince us as we sing to you how we need you, that you would convince us to get into the word with you. Oh Lord, help us heal this week from what's been broken this last year. Help us to rejoice where we can rejoice. And help us to make a plan and a place and a time to get into the word and to resist the devil this year. In Jesus' name, amen.